And I'm going to read it a little bit different. I just need you to listen. I didn't give it to you. I don't want you to put it up on the screen. I just want you guys to listen. Zechariah chapter 8. And where it says Jerusalem, I'm going to replace it with us. And God is speaking to a nation about a future and a hope and brightness. But today I'm going to apply it. I'm not violating scripture, but I'm going to apply it to us this morning. And so you're going to hear us in lieu of Jerusalem and Mount Zion. And I want you to hear to those who have ears to hear. As John said, I want you to listen to what the Spirit is speaking to us this morning. Then another message came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. My love for Newark United Pentecostal Church is passionate and it is strong. I am consumed with passion for Newark. And now the Lord says, I am returning to Newark United Pentecostal Church. And I will live in Newark. And then Newark will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. And this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Once again, Old men and old women will walk in Newark streets with their canes, and they will sit together in the city squares, and the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Newark. They will be my people and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Be strong and finish the task. Ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord of heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing the building. Before the work on the temple began, there were no jobs and no money to hire people or animals. No traveler was safe from their enemy, for there were enemies on all sides. I had turned everyone against each other. But now I will treat the remnant of my people as I treated them before, says the Lord of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops and the heavens will release its dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant in the northeast to inherit These blessings among the other nations, the Northeast has become a symbol of a cursed nation, but no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong. Get on with rebuilding the temple. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. I was determined to punish you when your ancestors angry me, and I did not change my mind, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But now I am determined to bless Newark and the people of the Northeast. So don't be afraid. But this is what you must do. You must tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. Don't scheme against each other. Stop your love of telling lies that you swear are the truth. I hate these things, says the Lord. Here is another message that came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The traditional fasts and times of mornings that you have kept in early summer and midsummer and autumn and the winter, they are now ended. They will become festivals of joy and celebration. For the people of the Northeast. So love 
love, truth, and peace. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. People from nations and cities around the world will travel to Newark. The people of one city will say to people of another, come with us to Newark to ask the Lord to bless us. Let's worship the Lord of Heaven's armies. I am determined to go. Many peoples and powerful nations will come to Newark to seek the Lord of Heaven's armies and to ask Him for a blessing. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In those days, ten men from different nations and languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of just one member of your congregation and they will say, please let us walk with you for we have heard that God is with you. This morning I come to you with a different kind of message than is typical God, when he speaks through the prophets of old, we are told that they spoke as the Spirit of God moved upon them. They did not speak from their minds or their wisdom, though their minds and their language were used. But the Spirit of God moved upon them, anointed them. Another passage says that he breathed his words forth. Many times with prophetic words, there is a confusion. We've even discussed this in our small groups just recently, namely that the prophetic word is always about the future, but it is not. In fact, most of the prophets, when they spoke, they spoke not only of the future, but they also spoke of the present. And many times, laced into that conversation was allusions and explicit references to the past. But even when they did speak of the future, they spoke of a future that they yearned to see and that they thought they understood. But if you study your scriptures, you will find that God is a powerful God who's able to communicate on multiple levels at the same time. And so there are meanings within his word. Prophetic utterances through the mouths of men and women under his anointing that had meaning they had no idea existed, that had application they did not understand how it would unfold. I promise you that the prophets of old prophesied of Jesus coming, but they struggled to understand what exactly they were talking about. That's why so many missed him when he came. Prophets of old talked of God living among us, living in us, But they didn't really understand exactly how that looked. You and I today now live in the midst of the fulfillment of that forward prophecy. This morning I come to you with ten points. Ten points that come from Zechariah chapter 8. I will tell you at the end why this chapter and how God led me there. Point number one is behind me. God loves us, this church. Now please hear me and please understand, like any good parent who has multiple children, you do not have to tamp down your love for one in order to make sure you love the others. So we're not talking about God's love to the exclusion of anyone else. But today, please understand, the message I've been given is a message to be said to you that he loves us. It's not about whether he doesn't love the rest of the world because we know that he does. But today, the message is to us. Today, the message from Almighty God is to you and to me, and he loves us. He is pleased with our zealous commitment to his word. He understands how zealously we have committed ourselves to his word. He loves our generosity to missions, your generosity to a place in the kingdom that you never see the results of. You don't receive benefit from it, and yet every single month consistently you give. He loves your faithfulness. When things are going the way you expect them to, and when you don't understand what's going on, There are people sitting in these pews that have been faithful year after year and decade after decade. God loves Newark. 
Zechariah 8 and 2 says, My love for Mount Zion is passionate and it is strong. I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. As Desi already read to you, I'm telling you that under the unction of the Spirit, I am telling you that this verse is applied today to us. Yes, it was about Jerusalem, and yes, it was about Mount Zion in the past, but today this verse is to be applied to us. He is passionate and he is strong. He is passionate and consumed with that passion for how much he loves us. Everybody in this place that has felt like you have failed God, everybody in this place that has felt like you have fallen short of God, please hear me. This is not a statement of an affirmation of our brokenness, nor is it a statement of an affirmation of our sin, but it is a statement of the never-ending, passionate, committed love God has for this church. Nothing can conquer love. Faith, hope, love. Paul wrote of in 1 Corinthians 13. But the greatest of these is love. Love never fails. God is not failing this church. Each of you individually... Yes, there's this a corporate message, but each of you individually need to take this into your heart. You need to understand that what will motivate you to turn away from sin is not the condemnation of the devil. It is the love of God. What will motivate you to turn away from your carnality and your fleshliness is not a sermon and it is not rules. It is a relationship that is based in love that starts with God. The love of God, the scriptures tell us, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is premier in this place. That's why what you felt here and what was operation here and what is still by God's grace in operation now is the movement and the governing of the Holy Spirit. Because as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us, it guides us into truth. But truth is not all that he leads us to. He leads us to truth in love. Prophetic word number two. God is already planting the seeds of our provision. He's been planting the seeds of our provision. Everything in his economy is working to provide for us. We do not in the future have a hope that we have all that we need. We already have All that we need. Please understand in prophetic word, there is always a tension between the now and not yet. There is always a tension of the prophet speaking things which are not as though they were because he speaks for the voice of the Almighty. She speaks for the voice of the Almighty. But today, I bring you a word, Newark UPC. God has already provided all that we need just because I don't see it, just because you don't see it, just because we're not sure what he's doing, just because his instructions don't make sense, just because he's going in directions that we've never gone before. I bring you a word today that he has already planted the seeds of provision. This provision is for us corporately, yes, but as you know in God's economy, his provision for his body always flows through the body's Members, He has already provided for you. There is already miracles happening. You haven't seen them yet. They haven't transpired yet. You have not yet become knowledgeable of them yet, but they are transpiring as I speak. God has already provided everything we need. Zechariah 8 verse 12, he said, For I am planting seeds of peace, and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit and the earth will produce its crops and the heavens will release the dew. This is agrarian language because this is the life they live. They lived on farms and they lived by the land. So the language may not be exactly what you're needing because you are not as concerned about the dew from heaven or the earth producing its crops. The last time I checked, not many of us have grapevines. But please understand, 
God has already put in place. I don't know how it's unfolding. I don't know where it's going. That's the way prophetic word works. He doesn't tell us everything. He tells us enough that we then would believe him. But what you need has already been provided. The jobs will happen. The produce will happen. The production will happen. The blessings will happen. He's already provided. You feel the doubt within your soul? You feel the hesitation within your spirit? I'm sorry to what extent I've contributed to that. Because I'm also a human just like you that struggles to believe in a God who doesn't think or act like me. But under the unction of the Spirit, I only have one of two choices. I'm a little bit like Jonah. My back's against a wall. I either tell you what he told me or I quit. I don't have any other option. He's already provided. He's already provided. You can stay worried. I can stay worried. Or we can rest in it's taken care of. Our daddy has said to us it's already taken care of. Our daddy's telling us everything's okay. And surely as my kids worry about certain things and I look at them and I go, don't worry about that. It'll be okay. And as surely as my young children with absolute faith, believe me, as they grow older, they begin to lose faith because they begin to know all that's wrong with the world. They begin to know all of the machinations. Their own fears begin to kick in. And yet at the same time, what do we as parents do? We speak faith to them. We look at them and they say, you're not alone. We are not leaving you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to figure this out. There's going to be a solution. We will be able to handle it. And we are fallible human beings. We are limited parents. The God of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He who provides for our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He who gives us more than we need. He says to us today, Newark, I have provided. Not I will provide. Not if you do X, Y, or Z, I will provide. No, he has already provided. The Lord of heaven's armies, who has the power to say that. You see, there's no human being in this world that can make that kind of definitive statement. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how much wealth they have. I don't care how powerful they are. They have limitations. They may not be the limitations you and I have, but they still have limitations. God knows no limits. He does not even limit himself by his own creative forces. Do you understand the healings you heard from this morning? That is not medically possible. You are not able to put a hand upon your own shoulder and cause pain to go away. You are not able to simply have others lay their hands upon you and your tongue that for one year has not healed begins to heal. I'm telling you right now, that is not the way the physical world works. And yet God said, it works when I say it works. He has already provided. Number three, do not be afraid. Be truthful. Tell the truth. In the midst of your struggle, be honest that you struggle. In the midst of your sin, be honest about your sin. Don't hide and don't be afraid. Have courage. You're not going to fix this. I'm not going to fix this world. We cannot get good enough at what we're doing in order to affect what God wants to do through us. God loves us. God has provided for us. We do not need to be afraid. Just be truthful. Be honest with God. He is not here to destroy you. He is not here to condemn you. He is not here to condemn me. He is not here to expect me to be more than I am. He's not here to expect you to be more than you are. He knows who we are. He knows how weak we are. He knows how far we fall short. He knows how much we don't understand. He knows how much we struggle. He knows how much we lack faith. It's okay. He says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Tell the truth. Don't hide. Don't lie. Have courage. Zechariah 8, verses 15 through 16. So don't be afraid. But this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. 
We're in this together, Newark UPC. We're going to walk this path together. We're going to be truthful. We're not going to hide. We're not going to sneak. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to be honest with one another. We're just going to be open about everything. We're going to be open. So on the one hand, while I say to you I'm sorry that I may have interjected fear into the heart of this congregation or I may have by my my transparency caused you to lose faith, on the other hand, I'm telling you, if you're struggling with your faith, tell your brother or your sister, we'll pray with you. If you're struggling to believe the word of God, tell your brother and sister, it's okay. We're not going to condemn you. Yeah, there's no way we're going to condemn you because I'm the one struggling just alongside of you. We need to be truthful with one another. In the midst of truth, the spirit of truth operates optimally. God is able to do things when people are honest. He says, when you say you aren't sick, I can't help you. When you own that you are broken, when you own that you are sick, when you look at me and say, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief, I can heal you. I can perform the miracle. I can do what I need to do. It is only when you will not be honest about what you're facing, when you will not be honest with one another. Yes, we need to be a safe place. Safe enough that I can tell you when I'm struggling, and you can tell me when you're struggling. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with. I know all the stories of other places and other churches. I'm telling you right now, this is a place that we will struggle, we will fight, we will fail, and we will continue to fight to be the place that you can tell whatever your struggle is. If you're struggling with sexuality, we will be the place you can talk about it. If you're struggling with mental illness, this is the place you can talk about it. If you're struggling with abuse from the past, this is the place to talk about it. If you've been a poor financial steward, this is the place that you can talk about it. Whatever you are facing, this This is a safe place that you can work through this because our God says, don't be afraid. No matter what you're facing, don't be afraid. Tell the truth to one another. Point number four. It's party time. Everything you thought you had to do to have God's blessings is going to become easy and light. It was supposed to be easy and light anyway, but we've made it heavy and hard. Because our fears made it heavy. Our lack of courage has made it heavy. Our lack of faith has made it heavy. And please, please, please understand, this one probably more than any other is pointed directly at me. I've made everything too hard. I'm sorry. It's party time. It's party time. It's time to understand that when Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he really meant it. It's time for us to hear his words when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I know how to make your burdens light. It didn't say there weren't burdens. I'm going to stand before you in a business meeting and tell you that we have half of our reserve. I'm not telling you that half the reserve isn't gone, but that is not supposed to be heavy now. That is supposed to be light. I'm going to tell you that I haven't seen any Holy Ghost in a number of months, but that is not supposed to be heavy. That is supposed to be light. Do not be afraid. Have courage. Tell the truth. Don't hide. God loves us. He's already provided for us. It is already happening. Fasting and mourning, he tells Zechariah, will become rejoicing and play. It's party time. I'm not talking about in the carnal sense. I'm not talking about us going out and being licentious or drunk. Those are things to escape fear. Come on now, some of you have been in the world. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That was not really party time. That was party time that cost you. That was party time that just gave you a brief reprieve from all that was wrong. No, 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 I'm telling you the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm talking about joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm talking about abandonment. That that little girl, Evie, was just dancing because she just danced. She doesn't have a care in the world. She doesn't know that daddy and mommy are worried. She doesn't know that things aren't going to be all right because she trusts that everything's going to be all right. She's just feeling the music. She's just hearing the words, and she's just dancing before the Lord. I'm sorry that all my past has held us back, but Jesus is setting us free. I'm here to tell you it is party time. It is party time. 
You don't have to be fake. You don't need to be something that you aren't. But I am here to tell you it is party time. It is time to carry the burdens of the Lord with a very light hand because he makes his burdens light and he makes his work easy. It's party time. I'm going to do my best to get the frown off my face and get the smile back on my face. My mom and dad tell me that when I was a little boy, my hair did not stick straight up like it does now. It was like a dandelion and it bounced. And I was a carefree child. Am I quoting you right, dad? Jesus, take me back. Take me back. Life's tried to beat it out of me. My own fears and problems have tried to beat it out of me. My own issues have tried to beat it out of me. Take me back. Let me just dance before the Lord. Let me just relax in his presence. Let me just trust in his provision. Let me just hope in all that he's going to do. I didn't worry about whether I was going to eat or not. Somebody else was taking care of that. Jesus says, don't worry about what your food's going to be. Don't worry about what your clothes are going to be. Your heavenly father knows what you have need of. Seek my kingdom. I'll add everything you have need of. Come on, church, it's in the word. I'm not bringing you something. I, I, I might be uncomfortable with, with, with a prophetic word, but I'm telling you right now, the prophetic word is backed up by scripture. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. All you got to do is take care of today. I will tell you over the last few months, I've been learning to do that. I've been very present. Whatever's going to come next, I'll deal with that then. But right now, I'm here. Right now, I'm in the presence of friends. Right now, I'm in the presence of Almighty God. I don't know what tomorrow will hold. I don't know what the offering report will be tonight. I don't know what will happen tomorrow. But today, everything's okay. It's party time. Point number five. Oh, wait, I didn't read it to you. Sorry, guys. Zechariah 8, verse 19. The traditional fasts and times of mourning that you have kept in early summer, midsummer, autumn, and winter are now ended. These are things God instructed. But he says they're over. He says to Zechariah, he says they're over. He says that's not the way we're going to do it now. These times that felt heavy, these times that felt wrong, these times that were just hard to deal with, they will become festivals of joy. They will become celebrations for the people of Judah. So love truth and peace. If you can let me go for a side note here. You know how we're going to love peace? Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. You want to know why we're going to stay a holiness church? Because holiness causes peace in our soul. Holiness causes peace in our soul. Unholiness causes us to be licentious. It causes us to be contentious. It causes us to be jealous. It causes us to be angry and bitter. It causes us to, to, to be greedy. It causes us to have all of these nasty works of the flesh. But when we pursue holiness, we're not going to achieve it, but we're going to pursue it. When we pursue holiness, what happens is, is peace begins to emanate into our lives. Peace begins to establish itself in our hearts and our minds. Peace begins to be present. And now I can be peaceful to my neighbor. Now I can be peaceful to the one who's not even peaceful. My peace is so powerful that it passeth all understanding. I'm able to turn the other cheek, not because of obedience, but because that's what I want to do. Because there's a peace inside of holiness that passeth all understanding. Not mourning, not fasting. Joy, celebration, love truth, love peace. Number five, this is not the only place God is calling people, but for Newark UPC, God is calling people from around the world as they come to the United States, to the eastern seaboard, and to our communities in the greater metropolitan Philadelphia. He's calling them. They're sitting in our midst right now. There's more coming. They will continue to come from the nations. 
They will continue to come from the cities of the world. Poor and weak, rich and powerful, they will come seeking our God and finding him in our midst. It sounds awful grandiose. It sounds kind of big. All I know is I either tell you this message or I tender my resignation. Zechariah 8, verse 7, you can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. This is a place for all people. This is a place for all people. I know some of you elders have struggled with some of the changes that I've made, but you got to understand, I'm taking us down where it doesn't matter what continent you come from, you see yourself in this auditorium. I'm taking us to a place where it doesn't matter what language you speak, this can be your home. Oh, we got a ways to go. We got lots of things to fix, but that's our goal. We got lots of things to continue to improve on, but that is what God wants to do in this place. This is His house of prayer for all nations. Doesn't matter what your language is, doesn't matter what your culture is, doesn't matter what you, where you were born. I don't even care if you're legal or illegal. Let the politicians figure that out. I'm not ICE. I never will be ICE. I work for a higher power. Yes, I'm happy to live in North America. All of you that are here are happy to live in North America. Nobody's arguing about the fact that we like to live in the United States of America. God has been very good to this country, but please hear me and hear me very clearly. If you cause me to pick between my American citizenship and my kingdom citizenship, I will not be an American. I will be a Christian. Nobody promised me that America would stay godly. Nobody promised me who sat in the White House would be godly. Nobody promised me that Congress would operate according to the precepts of the Lord. I am first and foremost a Christian, and this will be first and foremost a Christian place. It don't matter what your country is. I don't care if you're legal or illegal. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care if you understand what we're doing or don't understand what we're doing. This is his house. He's calling people from all around the world. From the east and from the west, he's calling his people. Zechariah 8, verses 20 through 22. People from nations and cities around the world will travel to Jerusalem. The people of one city will say to the people of another, come with us to Jerusalem to ask the Lord to bless us. Let's worship the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm determined to go. Many people in powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord of Heaven's armies and to ask for his blessing. They're coming. They've already begun to come. I know. I think, wow, Steve, you're full of yourself. I either tell you what he told me or I quit. I kind of want to believe. Some of us need to stop being afraid of being proud. Some of us need to stop being afraid that it's not really the Lord. And we need to start getting incredulous that for some reason, the Almighty has shown favor to us. Think about the Jews to whom this original message was made. They were a small people. They were a people from an Abraham and an Isaac and a Jacob. Why would God turn his attention to them? And yet he did. I don't know why God has turned his attention to us. I don't know why God has favor upon us, but God loves us. God is telling us, you do not have to be afraid. Speak truth. I am operating in your midst. They are coming from the east and from the west. I am drawing them. I am bringing them. Number six. This scares the death out of me. This goes against our theology. We got to go door knock. We got to go do it. We got to go seek them. We got to go compel them. I just, again, I, I either bring you the word or I, or I resign. Those who desire God are going to seek you out. Those who desire God are going to seek you out. They will find you. I do not want to embarrass them, but literally sitting in our midst right now are people who sought us out. They didn't get a mailer. I don't even know how they got to us. They're going to seek us out. They will sense that we know God. 
and they will want to walk with you. Their knowledge of God will come from walking with you. You don't have to be smart. You don't need a theological degree. You don't need to be me. You don't need to be Desi. You don't need to be Owen. You don't need to be Lisa. You need to be you. And when someone, when you sense that somebody, understand I speak in parables here, when you sense that somebody's walking alongside of you, just let them walk with you. Well, how do I get them baptized? How do I get them into a Bible study? How do I get them? Stop. Just let them walk with you. The God that's in you is reaching them. The spirit that's in you is drawing them. Jesus said, if you will lift me up, speaking of the serpent in the wilderness, if you will lift me up, I will draw all men unto me. We do not have to draw them. He is already drawing them. Zechariah 8, verse 23, in those days, 10 men from different nations and languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of one of the Jews, and they will say, please let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you. I'm not telling you God's not other places, but I'm telling you there are going to be people who will clutch at your sleeve and say, there's something about you. I sense something in you. Would you, can I walk with you? Will you pray for me? Can I come to church with you? Can I come to your small group? We're trying to multiply every avenue. Don't, don't, don't shove them into it. Don't, don't get all panicky. Just let them walk with you. Maybe you meet them while you're serving in the community. Maybe you meet them at Starbucks. Maybe you meet them by a phone call. Maybe you meet them through a mutual friend. Maybe you meet them because they show up at the small group. Maybe they do come on Sunday morning. It does not matter. Just walk in confidence. Do not be afraid. Let God draw them. Let them walk with you. Number seven, what is impossible? I'm sorry, I keep skipping the verse. No, I didn't. I read it. Here we go. Number seven, what is impossible for us is possible for God. What I'm describing to you, if you have any sense in your head, it sounds like a pipe dream. What I'm describing to you What I bring you from the Lord, if you have any sense in your head, it sounds like a pipe dream. Even for Pentecostals. And that's quite a pipe dream. We're the people who believe in crazy things. But this sounds like a pipe dream. Look around. It doesn't look like what God's describing. It never will. Because he's going to move the dime on us. Because the moment that what we right now yearn for has been achieved, he'll unfold where he's really going. I can't even go there because he hasn't even given me the word. But I'm telling you, what we have already heard from him, what we have already articulated to you is not the end. It is only the beginning. What is impossible for us? It is impossible. I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. The staff doesn't know what they're doing. We are so fumbling and so erring, it's not even funny. We're not trying to. We just are. But what is impossible for us is possible for God. Because through his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I can ask for a lot. I work with some of you. You can too. I am a thinker and a dreamer. My daddy taught me to dream. I can dream. But the scripture says God can do infinitely more than anything I can ask or anything I can think. So when he says in Zechariah 8, verse 6, all this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me? Point number eight. God is already in the pit. 
I don't know if you're in the pit, whether you're in midair, or you're in there and wondering where he's at. But the word for you today is God is already in the pit. Every one of our individual pits and every one of our collective pits, God is already in the pit. God's already strengthening our hands. God is already sharpening our weapons. He is already rescuing us from the lions. Chase those lions. Jump into those pits. He's giving you a testimony right now. It feels like he's not there. It feels like you don't know what's going on. It feels like the lion's about to take your life. I'm here to tell you this morning, God has sent me with a message. He's told me to tell you, to tell us, to tell myself, I'm already in the pit. I'm already in the pit. There is no way that you are in there alone. I am already in the pit. I got in the pit before you ever got there. Zechariah 8, verse 13. I will rescue you, and I will make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong. Gird up your minds, church. All of those things that you're afraid of, and I'm afraid of, and I'm telling you right now, if I'm afraid, I know you're afraid. I guarantee you, you're facing things in your own personal life. You're facing things in the life of this church, and we are afraid. God is saying, be strong and do not be afraid. I'm already in the pit. He gave me the word. He gave me the word that there were lions we were going to chase. He gave me the word that we would need to do it. I have cursed the day I preached that sermon so many times, it's not even funny. Why did I have to preach that sermon? Why did I have to cast that vision? Oh, it was fun when I cast it. It wasn't fun to live it. It's not been fun to live it. But you got to hear me this morning. God said, I'm already in the pit. I'm already there. I'm already there. I'm already there. That lion's not going to be able to do what you think it's going to do to you. Oh, I, he didn't say that you wouldn't get nicked. He didn't say that you might not get a fang put into your flesh. But wherever he touches you, wherever he hurts you, it will be for your testimony. You will show your war scars. You will be able to bear testimony to the mighty God who was in the pit with you. Whatever wound he allows you to receive is simply your mechanism of testimony to what God has done for you. You didn't go into no pit. You just pull up your sleeve and show them the claw marks. You didn't go into that pit. You just pull up your sleeve and show them the teeth marks because that is your testimony. But he will not allow it to destroy you. He will not allow it to destroy you. He's already in the pit and he is the lion tamer. The lion cannot do more than God allows him to do and if God allows him to do it we'll be okay because God will not fail us point number nine be strong resist temptation we're prone to temptation in the midst of battle because we're tired resist fatigue that's why you got to keep living a life of Sabbath. And we're not talking about just a day off. We're talking about a life of rest. you gotta, you got to say, no, 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 no. You will not get me fatigued. you got to give yourself permission to nap. you got to give yourself permission to pause. you got to give yourself permission to stop. God has. He gave you permission. Resist the temptations. Resist fatigue. Resist disappointment. We have expectations about how God is going to do it. Come on, folks. He rarely does it the way we think he's going to do it. Resist disappointment. I'm still waiting. It's one thing to be faithful. It's another thing to go, okay, maybe God's going to do this. And then the disappointment that it didn't go that way. Please, please, please resist temptation. Resist fatigue. Resist disappointment. Resist fear. Resist defeat. Don't give up. No matter what you're facing, don't give up. Zechariah 8, verse 9, be strong. Finish the task. Finish the task. We're going to finish the task. We, as a generation, have a responsibility. There's a generation that's rising up in our midst that will take the baton from our hands, but we have a job to do. Let's finish this task. They, we will train them, we will prepare them, and then we will hand it off to them and let them do it. Finish the task. Be strong and finish the task. Number 10. It's child's play. And this is a part that over the next several years I've got to lead you in and I have no idea how to do it because I've lost my ability to play. 
in an attempt to be responsible, an attempt to produce, an attempt to be competent. I've lost the abandon of play. When I don't feel responsible, you see the play in me. You all know I know how to play. You can't hardly make me behave when I don't feel responsible. I love to play. What if the work God has for us is actually child's play? I know it's not how we preach it. I know it's not how we present it. But what if it's actually child's play? Because let me ask you a question. Who died to save the world? Did we or did he? Whose blood washes away sins? Ours or his? Whose message is it that we preach? Ours or his? It's interesting to me, those of you that are in Bible quizzing, you know Zechariah in 4 or 6. He tells, the, he tells Zechariah earlier, he says, it's not by force and it's not by strength. It's by my spirit. Church, we got to return to the joy of knowing him. You might have come in and said, wow, what, what happened this morning? I'm going to tell you what happened. Five of us went to a conference and got reminded of his joy. That's all that happened. Regina and I, the Lugos and Leela, we went to a conference and got reminded that we could be joyful in the presence of the Lord. We went to a conference and we just got reminded that it's by his strength, it's by his power. It's not by our ability. And in that atmosphere, I was able to hear him speak to me and say, go home, son, and play. Go home, son, and play. In the midst of play, you can learn. In the midst of play, you can even work. Those of you that don't know me, I homeschooled my children. The first four to five years of their schooling, every single one of them, They never knew they were doing school. Regina and I set up our home so that their play was their learning. It was not a, they didn't get up in the morning and go, oh, I don't want to go to school. They didn't even know when school started or when it ended. They didn't even know they were learning. Your babies when you have them, there's a cute little baby over there, and she's going to learn your language. Do you speak other languages other than English? No. Shoot, you're not a good example. I'll come back to you in just a moment. All of you who speak other languages, would you please, this is a total diversion, I'm sorry, but I got to say it. Those of you who speak other languages, would you please teach your children? I have spent thousands of dollars to make my children bilingual. It is the most costly thing I have done for them. Please teach your children your language. Teach them too. They will not start talking as quickly. You will think something's wrong with them. They're not. They're processing two languages at the same time. But once it clicks through, they will be smarter and more capable. Please teach them your languages. All right, aside from that, that little baby does not know how to talk. That little baby does not know how to go to the bathroom. But that little baby will not go to school to learn it. She will simply awake and live with her mother and learn it. Newark UPC, we've turned it into school. I'm not telling you you don't need to go through discipleship classes. I'm not telling you we aren't going to teach in small groups. But we have turned it into work. And God has come to say, would you just go play? Would you understand what kind of parent I am? Everything you put your, if you'll put yourself in the house of God, if you will play with the right kids, if you will go to the right places and play with the right kids, everything you play with, you don't know it, but everything you play with, you're going to learn from it. Everything you play with is going to form you. Everything you put your hands on is going to make you more and more like me. Would you just go play?
Return to the joy of his salvation. Return to the simple faith of a child. Jesus said, suffer the little ones to come to me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom. It's not just the kingdom values them. There's a simplicity of childhood. Brother Brian, you've lost it. So have I. Let's go back and play. Desi, you've lost it. Let's go back and play. Say, well, you don't understand my childhood. You don't understand where I'm coming from. I know. But the Lord knows how to return everything that's ever been taken from you. God knows how to restore everything in your life. God knows how to, if you lost your childhood, he'll give you back your childhood. There is a joy that God wants to return to us. Let's go back and play. Let's go back and play. Let's go back and play. Let's turn church into a time. Oh, we get to go to church and play. Let's go back and play. My last verse, it backs up number 10. Is when God spoke through Zechariah this promise to Israel that has now pieces of it become promised to you and I. He said, your city will be characterized by old men and old women free to walk. And the streets will be filled with boys and girls at play. Newark UPC, I've called you to worship, I've called you to learn, and I've called you to serve. But there's one more thing we got to do. Would you give me my title slide? If we're going to be faithful disciples of Jesus, we got to go back and play. Now, please hear me. This seems, you're going, really? This is where you're ending? Like, you come in and you say you have a prophetic word. You have 10 points God has spoken to us, and this is where you're ending? Yes. My children did not, as little children, did not worry about the mortgage payment. They didn't think about where the food came from. They didn't worry about who paid the water in the sewer. They didn't think about where their clothes came from. That dandelion head little boy. And I use myself as a metaphor. I can't tell you how many times my dad has tried to tell me Because you see, he was nine years old when life ripped play away from him. He's told me with, in his own way, and I've heard you, Dad. I've heard you many times. Son, I'm sorry. We tried to protect you. We tried to provide the right environment. You were such a carefree little boy. And I feel like there's a God in this place that is looking at each of us individually. But even more than that, he's looking at all of us and he's saying, I'll give you back the play. But you got to be willing to be strong. And you got to be willing to lay down your fear. And you got to be willing to just trust me. Go play. And as you play, there are going to be others who are going to come along and say, can I play with you? I I, I don't know how you do this. And it's not because in the play they're going to find no faults in your life. It's not that they're going to find that you have no pain in your life. And it's not that he's going to just make it so that you don't have. No, we're going to choose by faith to play. I'm going to try every Sunday when I come in. I'm going to try when I'm dealing with the staff. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And when I fail, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try to put a smile on my face. I like all of you. I love this church. 
I love the fact that you love it when I get insulted. When a speaker comes in and insults me, I love the fact that you can discern whether that preacher's being nice or mean. I love the fact that if he makes the mistake of being mean, you all are like a freezer. You sit on him like, I'm like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. But I love the fact that when he's got good spirit or she's got a good spirit and I'm getting insulted up and down, you laugh. You think it's fun. I love you people. I love every single one. I love insulting you. I do. I love insulting you. And I love the fact that as I insult you, as I say things that other preachers are like, oh my goodness, how are you, pastor? How have you not been fired? That you love me back. It sounds like play to me. You ever seen little boys and little girls when they play? They do funny things, don't they? we got to go back to play, church. Because in the midst of the joy of the Lord, in the midst of our play, is God is going to unleash the powerful move that he's already unleashing. What did we do this morning? We simply played. There were five of us who came back and says, you know what, God? We don't have an answer. We went to a conference and found out there's all kinds of stuff we're doing wrong. We went to a conference and found out there's all kinds of work ahead of us. We went to a conference and found out, oh my goodness, we're missing the ball. But we also found out you can play in the presence of the Lord. You can rejoice in the presence of the Lord. So five of us decided to come back and play. That's all we did. And by the way, we're not real good at playing. I look over here and Rachel's wanting to dance, but isn't have enough faith to get moving. Meanwhile, I'm over there and I'm wanting to dance, but I don't know how to dance. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to, I watch people in the Pentecostal church and man, they got some, man, they kick up their, and I don't know what to do because that was stolen from me. But I just got having so much fun because I just decided to praise him. And I just decided to forget about it. And I just decided to feel him. That finally I just, it was enough and I decided to go ahead and run. I don't know what I look like. I don't know how it worked. But I decided I was going to play. I'm going to have fun when I come to church now. I'm tired of being burdened. He said I could have a festival. He said I could have a celebration. He said I could party. So I'm going to party. I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to trust that he'll provide. I'm going to trust that I don't have to be afraid. It's party time. It's time to play. I know nobody gets the Holy Ghost because I give it. So why should I be worried about this? Let's just play. Maybe in the midst of play, God will give somebody the Holy Ghost. Time to play. Now it's going to take us some time. I'm going to tell you that real practical right now. Because we got some old habits. We've gotten used to coming to church and not playing. I didn't tell you you have your children unhinged. But did you see I grabbed one of the sometimes unhinged children and we danced together? Do you know why? Because I don't want to squelch out of her. I want her to behave. I want mommy and daddy to teach her to be disciplined. But I also want her to know, it's fun to go to church. I get to dance at church. When the music gets going, I'm allowed to bebop. I'm allowed to move. Now, some of you, I understand, you don't have the personality for that, and you say, I don't matter what church I go to, I wouldn't be doing none of that. That's fine. I'm not asking you to go outside your personality. But for all of you that somehow got the message, because we were too worried about making sure we were doing what was supposed to be done. And we were too worried about making sure that everything was scriptural. I didn't say we're going to stop worrying about it being scriptural. But we were too worried. We were too responsible. We were too adult-like. Let's play. Let's play. It's party time. It's time to enjoy the presence of the Lord. And play is not the same every day. It'll vary from service to service. But it is time to reclaim play. It is time to reclaim the joy of the Lord. It is time to reclaim His presence. It is time to reclaim play. 
Let it be your way of play. It doesn't need to be my way of play. It is time to play. It's party time. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Yes, 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 yes. It's time to pray because God is on the throne and everything is okay. God is on the throne. He's already got it under control. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yes! 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 Hallelujah! 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 